you so much. Okay, we're going to do a, a little participation exercise. It's going to involve all of you, every single one of you, for a second. And some of you will hate me and all I stand for for doing this, but that's kind of the way it goes. Um, I'm going to put, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a statement up on the board and are on the screen, and, and when I do, I want you to think about it just for a second, and then I want you to turn to someone around you, and believe it or not, talk to them, okay? You're going to talk to them, all right? Now, it's going to work better if it's somebody you don't know, and you'll see it once we show the question. Again, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be challenging. The question is this. Go ahead. Go ahead and hit this one. If you knew me, you'd know, okay? If you knew me, you'd know. Now, it could be anything from your favorite flavor of ice cream to where you were born, where you grew up as a kid. Anything like that, anything that you want to share, if you knew me, you know, you'd know. If you knew me, you'd know, okay? Just think about it really quick. You got it in your head? It shouldn't be hard. This is not hard, okay? We're going to move into much deeper stuff than this in a little bit, so just to get it going. Okay, got it? Ready? One, two, three, go. Go. Just turn to somebody you don't know very well and share with them. Okay, if you're still talking, you are sharing way too much detail. We don't want to know that much about you. We don't care that much. Okay, if you knew me, you'd know I'm allergic to cats. I am, for real. I am allergic to cats uh, on that one. And some of you are saying right now, you know, I wasn't too bad. You know, I, I, I survived that one. I made it. I made it through, okay? How about this one? Go ahead. If you really knew me, you'd know. Now, now don't worry. Um, I'm not going to have you t- turn and share um, that, at least not yet. <laughs> but that word really makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it make a difference in our lives? It probes a little bit deeper because I'm no longer talking about my cat allergies or my lack of an appendix or being left-handed or, or any of those, you know, light, little, fun, trivial facts. It gets deeper, and it, and it does get kind of hard. If you really knew me. Today we started something new, um, a whole new series, as Len mentioned. A year ago uh, or so, I was, I was, I was asked kind of what makes this place this place, you know? What makes us us? Um, why are we the way we are, you know, and God has blessed us and, and we're great people that are coming here, but what makes Mariners unique? Because we want to build on our strengths, you know, the things that God is doing here, we want to understand them and then make them even more so. So we began to try and figure out, well, what's the core here? I mean, what's the basis? What are, what are the common things that we have that are, that are really strong? And we found an incredible team of volunteers, and they spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of interviews and meeting with people, and, and talking to individuals, and they put them all together on a whole bunch of notes, post-it notes, and they did all these kinds of sessions as they worked these kinds of things out. And, and as, they, as they did, some words began to pop out, okay? The words that began to come out were, 
words like authentic and, and real. And, and people here are not pretentious. And what we're doing is we're doing a series called This Is Us. And This Is Us is about who we are, and this is the result of that study. And, and This Is Us is about what God has been doing here as that study kind of looked it through and talked to you and figured all these kinds of things out. It's about who we are and who God has made us. And since God is not finished with any of us, it's about all that God is doing here, okay? All the things that God is doing in who we are and how we're going to move forward in the community. And the thing that began to float to the top is the word real, real. This is, the people here are, are, are real. We worship God and it just, God seems so real here. Those were the words that began to happen. And so we're going to be talking about who we are, what this place is really all about. And so the first, first week today, we're going to be talking about real people, that we are real people and what that means and, and all that means. And here it comes, and this is a statement, and if you can remember, you don't have to memorize it, but this is, this is the point. Because we are found righteous in Christ, we are free to be open about our faults and mistakes around here so that we can give hope to others that God can love them in spite of their faults and mistakes. You see that? You know, because we're found righteous in Christ, because we're found right, made right in Christ, I'm completely free now to be open about my faults and my mistakes. Why? Because I'm, I'm found right in, in Christ. God knows exactly about me and loves me. And if the God of the universe knows every little detail of a stupid thing I've done and loves me and accepts me, then I can be free about those faults to, 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 to anybody, to everybody. And that will give hope to other people that God can love them in spite of their faults and mistakes. And when we do that, we become, what's the word? We become real. That's what we become. And it's really important to me that, that we, we maintain this. Now, now what's the opposite of, of real? You know, fake, phony, you know, plastic, you know, um, a facade, masks. That's the opposite of being real. And, and a lot of times we find as we think about our lives or even our past lives or, or that, we hide a lot, don't we? We spend a lot of time hiding. Many of us have hidden. Hiding who we really are is just kind of normal to us. I mean, it's just kind of what we do. I'm not going to share with you what I'm really like. I will hide. <laughs> now, we come by it pretty naturally because um, our parents did it and, and their parents did it, and you could trace it all the way back to the very beginnings of the Bible, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve went this with this, remember the fig leaf sheik? Why did they do that? To hide. The Bible says this, at that moment their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to what? There it is, to cover themselves, began to hide. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. They covered themselves, symbolic of hiding from each other, and they tried to hide from, from God. They, they hid. They put on masks. They put on coverings. And, and humans become good at hiding. And there's reasons we do that, and there's reasons why I don't want you to be able to see the real me. One of them, you just simply take it from, from sports. If you knew my faults and my flaws in sports, you go what? 
you take advantage of those. I play tennis, you know, and I, and I, and I love playing, playing tennis. And when, when I'm warming up or when I'm playing against somebody, what I do is I try and find what their what? What their weakness is. I try and find their vulnerability. Why? If it's their backhand, then every shot I can take, I'm going to drive it at their backhand hard. Why? Because I know they can't hit it back well at me. They are now vulnerable to me. And they will try and find mine, and so I'm going to do my best to hide that area of weakness because I don't want them to what? To have advantage over me. Another reason we don't let others see deeply into our lives, and this one's a whole lot more personal for us, if they see the real me, they may not like the real me. And guess what? I'm all I've got. That's all I've got. The real me is all I've got, and if they don't like that real me, I got nothing else. And so I will try and then project something that I'm not and that I maybe want them to see me as. And that, the exhausting thing about it is we do that from person to person to person to person. I want you to think me like this, so I'm going to be like this. And I want you to think of me like this, so I'm going to now be like this. And it gets so tiring, but we do it. People work hard. We, we work hard to pro project these images. Tough game. Remember, you know, high school, middle school, you have to have the right phone, the right shoes. Remember the push-button radios, you know, when you still have them in your car, the boop, 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 boop. If you did not have the right stations on your car radio, you know, it would get out, you know. And so we had to project, I have no problems and no challenges. And, and, and honestly, it's fairly normal for normal people to try and project an image that's not at all true. We try and do it better all together. You know, we have it all together. And, and, and what happens is we carry it around every place, and so we'll sometimes carry it into a place like this. You know, we come in here like this. Growing up um, as a kid, we had three categories of clothes, okay? We had play clothes, and we had school clothes, and we had what? Church clothes. You guys do that too? You know, yeah. And, and we could kind of figure out the formality of the event we were going to because we would ask mom, mom, what kind of clothes do we have to wear to this, you know? you know, church clothes, Ugh, you know, Ugh. it means it's one of those kinds of places, because we had really nice clothes for church, clothes that were, were, were our best stuff, because at church, you had to look your what? Yeah, look your best. Why? Because I asked that question to my mom, why? I said, I'm not sure that God cares what's going on on the outside. And so what we have to do is you go to church, you have to look your best and you have to act your best, and that begins to carry on that we have no problems in life as we act our best. So how do we get over that kind of stuff? Fascinating passage in the Bible. Um, the Apostle Paul traveled around the known world, and he began to start churches. You know, that's what he, he would do. He would, so committed was he to seeing people become free in Christ and to have all this forgiveness that's there that he couldn't stand being in one place. So he'd go from place to place to place. And he'd talk about Jesus to people, and they would accept him, and they'd say, well, well, you guys need to get together and grow together and help each other out and encourage each other in this kind of this crazy little world. And so he'd land in a place like this, and he'd talk about it, and, and a church would start. Well, he came, he came, he came to a, a, a place called Corinth. And Corinth was a big city, um, a wealthy city, a lot, a lot of glitz and glamour in this place, okay? Cosmopolitan, 
and, and, and philosophy was there and education was there. But a, a, a lot of really wealthy, famous people, think Hollywood kind of stuff, you know. Image was a really big thing in Corinth. The in crowd and the wannabe crowd. Image was important. And all that comes with that. Everything that comes with that. And there'd be little factions and little cliques and all this kind of stuff because that's part of that. And they were into looking good and thinking they were with it and looking cool and being cool and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, what's on the outside sometimes gets carried on the inside into a place like this. And so we're the cool church, you know, we're the cool people here in town. And they get a letter from Paul, and, and it's announced maybe by the pastor, um, Paul sent us a letter. And so they get real excited, the next weekend they're going to come together, so they put on their Sunday what? Their Sunday best, you know, and all look nice, and no problems whatsoever, and, and Paul's writing to us, they thought, because we're so important and so smart, probably because we're so good looking, you know, we're probably his favorite. You know, and so they all come together and they, they assemble with all their images. Now think what this would do to you if you were in that, in that setting. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use big words or superior knowledge to tell you God's plan. And they're thinking, what? He just said he uses his small words for us. You, know, you hear that? I didn't use big words because I couldn't. Because your people are what? You're just not smart enough for my big words. So I used my small words, and I used simple phrases for you. Then he says this, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And you understand how the masks are beginning to fall down? How the kind of all these little plasticky things that they put on are beginning to strip away? And I would imagine some people are saying, who is he to say that to me? People who thought they were smart and popular and good-looking, he's saying, you know what, y'all are kind of dumb and ugly. <laughs> you, know, you, just, you just don't have it. You just don't. Later on, he reminds them, he says, some of you were once like that. Well, like what? He says, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat, even your fellow believers. So, yeah, some of you are like that. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And some of you are like that. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, some of you were once like that. Or are thieves or greedy people, drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you. We're once like that. And I guess the Bible is saying this. Um, I really know you, and I know that you are those things. And it's, this is a huge hurdle for us to get over in coming to faith or even growing in faith because we have spent so much time putting on the fake and on the image. And God spends a lot of time saying, take off the fake. Because the fake is doing you a lot more harm than good. You follow that? The fake image you're trying to project is doing you a whole lot more harm than it is good because you then start to fool yourself that maybe you're not so bad. And as soon as they say, I'm not so bad, or you're, you're actually not very good, all of a sudden we start to compare ourselves with what? 
with other people. And as you compare yourselves with other people, you think you're not doing so bad. Because why? Because you only choose those people that what? You know you're going to beat. And so we say, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But the standard isn't other people. The standard is God himself. And the potential that you had when God first made you. And I wrote down, if I'm insulted by the Bible's description of me, I still don't get it. Because a lot of people take offense at the Bible's description of them. When it says that you're a sinner, this is what you were, this is what you are, this is what your nature's like, and we get bugged by that. But that's the first step in coming to God. And if I'm insulted by the Bible's description, I I still don't get it. Because God really can't do a work in my life until I see myself as everything that's wrong with the world. Everything that's wrong with the world is where? It's in me. It's in me, in seed form. If you knew me, you'd know I'm afraid of jumping off heights. I just am. I just don't like heights. If you knew me, you'd know I hate roller coasters. I just hate them. hate them. If you really knew me, you'd know I'm still a sinner. If you really knew me, really knew me, you'd know that one of my favorite things to do on Pumpkin Festival weekend is on Sunday afternoon, I like to take my dog to the school and throw him a ball. And you're saying, big deal. Well, let me tell you what I do. The reason I, I love it is that as it, we're right off of Highway 1 and, and, and just a little bit south of 9, we're at the Hatch, and Hatch School is right, right in my neighborhood, right here, the school that you're driving down south on Highway 1. It's right there. The field is right by Highway 1. And what I do is I like to take the, the dog out there and I throw him a ball, and, and, I, and I get this incredible joy of watching traffic on Pumpkin Festival Sunday be at an absolute standstill. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm getting incredible happiness out of their complete misery. And so I'm, I'm throwing a ball, you know, to my dog, and I go, I live here. You don't, you know. And then the dog brings the ball back, and I say, I can be home in three minutes, maybe two, you know, and, you know. I hope you live in Orinda, you know, have fun driving to San Leandro. And we laugh, you know, and that's funny, and, and, and I do like to do that. What's the harm in that? Not that much. But dig a little bit deeper. I'm getting incredible joy out of someone else's misery. You follow that? Incredible joy out of someone else's ministry. And in the middle of that is smugness and pride. This is not just fun, but do you see how deep down inside there's a little bit of hell there? You follow that? Do you understand? Way down deep inside there's the seeds of hell that should I allow those things to continue to grow would make me an incredibly wicked person. Romans 1 through 3 is incredible sections of the Bible and Bible study fellowship that we have here. Um, is doing it, and, and, and you should jump into that. It makes a great statement. Romans 1 through 3 just basically talks about everybody. Everybody's screwed up real bad, everybody. Religious people, yeah, you know, you got the hypocrisy thing going. You know, you people that think you're, you're really, really good, you know, and you can condemn everybody else, well, you do the very same things yourself. Everybody else, you know, you, you know you're bad. It's just, it's just we're all in the same kettle of stew together. And then it sums it up. It says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. If you really knew me, 
you know I have sinned, falls short of the glory of God. I, I can't hide that. I can't. If I really knew you, I'd know that what? You've sinned. Fall short of the glory of God. Let's just be honest. We've all sinned. Now, we're not done yet because if we stay there, we're stuck and we all feel bad about everything. And this is so cool. This is the next verse, one of the best verses in the Bible, I think. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we're righteous. Undeserved kindness. I don't deserve it because I'm so screwed up. He declared me righteous. How? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. There it is. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Right there. I've sinned. Well, I can now be open and honest because I'm declared by God himself. God himself. Righteous. If you really knew me, you'd know that through Jesus, God has declared me righteous. Honestly, I am nothing more than a sinful person who's been made right with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. We've all sinned. And that gives me incredible freedom to be absolutely real with who I am because I'm really nothing. I'm really nothing. I'm nothing. How do we become more real in this? How do I do it? First of all, know yourself and God's grace to you. This is the Apostle Paul. The Bible says this, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm the worst. He said, I'm the worst. This is the guy that wrote like half the New Testament. I'm the worst. He says this, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was the worst of sinners. Like you can't get off of this. I was, I was worse. How can he say that? How can he be so open about that kind of stuff? How can he be so free with this? Because God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. There it is. I screwed up so badly. Yeah, patience with me. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. What he's saying is, I'm going to tell you so you can really know me. This is how bad I was. And if I'm that bad, and you're only this bad, you can receive grace too told you that, that sometimes churches use acronyms for people, you know, and I've heard some of them sometimes around here. There, there's what extra grace required people, we call them EGRs, extra grace required, you know. Honestly, we're all EGR people, but that's why extra grace required. People just need a little bit more grace, extra grace required. Well, there's also the ABC people um, always being critical, um, always being critical, ABC, they're critical about this, critical about that, and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's a third time. Staff came up with a whole new thing that they're kind of throwing around, and this is people who annoy and are unbelievably losers, okay? And they, and, and they call them what? Oh, wait a second. <laughs> now, if you really knew me, you'd know I'm a sinner saved by grace, and because of the grace part, I can live with the sinner label. And it's not a surprise. It's just not a surprise. Next one is accept others like Jesus accepts them. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. Look at that. Accept others. How? Just as Christ accepted you. You didn't have your act cleaned up. Just He accepted you. He forgives you. And if I'm not real about how bad I am, I then will be terrible at this. If I can't be real about how much Christ has accepted me in my, in my sin, then I will be very intolerant about your sin, and I will not accept you in yours. 
My little story, I, I, um, when I really understood this whole Jesus thing, I worked really hard at holiness. Now, holiness is a good thing. Holiness means everything that God wants you to be, you know, perfect. You know, your life is getting better and better and better. And I worked hard at it. I mean, I drove towards that and read and disciplined myself, and it's right to do. But it doesn't work if you're not honest about your flaws, okay? It doesn't work. If you're trying to be holy, trying to be, you know, just great in every way, if you're not honest about the flaws you have, it doesn't work. It, it, it becomes problematic. And if you deny your flaws, you start to hide, okay? You hide them. And, and, and if you hide your flaws, then what you do is you begin to project a false image to other people of something that you're really not because you're striving to be holy. Do you follow me what I'm saying? And as you're trying to be holy and you, you're, you're not, you try and project that you really are. And then if you can project that you are so much, you start to believe it, and then you start condemning others that aren't working at holiness or the Christian life as hard as you are. Okay, you follow me on this one? And, and, and all of a sudden, you have this massive wall built up, and, and people think you're so holy, and you begin to like it and love it. And I came here, and a pastor friend visited me, and, and I was only here for like four or five years, still wearing a suit and tie on Sunday mornings and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and my friend, he's a pastor as well, and so we were talking after the service, and I, and, I, and, I, and I said, I said, I just don't think people here like me. I just think they like me. And he said, um, Paul, I just don't think that people here know you. You haven't let them know you. You put up this big wall. And I just thought, oh, crud, you know. Because I thought, boy, if you guys knew me, if you knew me like I knew me, You'd see I'm a flawed person, and you may not want me to be your pastor. And so I tried something. I, mean, I was in a guy's life group at the time, and, and, and um, I thought, well, I'm going to try being more authentic and share some problems with these guys. Because there's only three guys, and if they leave the church, I can survive that one, I think. So. <laughs> and... Uh, I was honest about some broken thing in my life, honest about it, and they all said, we're out of here. <laughs> no, they didn't, they didn't say that. One guy said, you think that's bad? You should hear what I did this week, <laughs> and he began to share that. They, they, they didn't blow me off. They just kind of said what they already knew. You're human. We don't expect perfection. We expect flaws. And I had to realize the depth of my sin, and, and if that is me, if I realize the depth of my sin and understand you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, if I realize the depth of my sin, and if that is me, I can accept you because you've never done anything worse than I've done. Because sin does not originate in the hands in what you've done. It originates where? It's in the heart. It's in the heart. And Jesus nails that one again and again and again and again, okay? Murder starts here. So you've never done anything that probably anybody, anybody in this room hasn't already done in, in their heart. And that puts us on equal footing, doesn't it? And that's why there's that old statement, the ground of the cross is level. No one's got a foot up on anybody else. Yesterday, um, after our bike ride, we get up early in the morning and ride, and uh, we, were, we were sitting around having some coffee and, um, talking with a couple guys, Mark and, and another guy, and, and they and I said to them, um, we're talking about kind of the church, and sometimes you know you struggle with the whole organizational 
part of the church. I know, the sermon should be done by now. I got it. Um, and they said, um, um, they said, well, well, Paul, what would be a perfect church? And I think this is a really close to perfect church, but this is, you know, in their, I said, you know, I'd love, I'd love to do this. Maybe, maybe I should do it with a, with a group of people. Um, um, I like AA, the way AA runs a lot of their meetings. I just love it. And I think sometimes the church should kind of organize a little bit more like that sometimes. You know, the people that go to recovery, and I love those people. I just love them. Um, the reason why they go, and they go often, they realize that if they don't go to a meeting, they will die. You know that? If I don't go to this meeting, I will be on a path where I could die. And so I will go because my life depends upon these meetings. I have to go on those. And, and when you go in, it's just expected that you're an alcoholic. It's just expected. It's already knows it. That's why you're here. You don't come in your Sunday best or your sober best. You just come. You come because you know that if you don't come, your life's going to fall apart. Isn't that the way church should be? If I don't come here, I don't come here because it's chic or the thing to do, show off clothes or anything like that. I come here because my life is so fragile that I need you to make it through this week. And whenever they get up to talk, share, they introduce themselves, not just simply their name, but also they put a tag to it. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an overeater. I'm a drug addict. That's who I am. I think I should introduce myself. Hi, my name is Paul. Instead of saying I'm the pastor here, I should say I'm Paul, and I'm a sinner saved by grace because that's all we are. I think we should put a sign up here too that says no perfect people allowed so that we remind ourselves always none of us are perfect, and because none of us are perfect, we can accept each other and just be real about our problems. In your Bible, there's a verse that says this, 1 John 4, says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, how much does he love us? It says in the verse before, God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's a lot of love. It means we had a disease called sin and we needed surgery to get it out, but we were way too weak to survive the surgery. We couldn't survive it. So Jesus took on the disease himself and took the surgery and he died. But it took away our sin. So, so in 1 John 4.11, I expect it to say, Dear friend, since God loved us that much, we need to love him back. It doesn't say that. It says, Dear friend, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to what? Love each other. He loved me with that disease and that sin. We should love each other. If you really knew me, I'm afraid you might not like me. But since you really know Jesus, I know you love me. That's why we can be real. Let's keep this place a real place. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for um, this moment, these times, the time that we've had, not just in great worship, but hearing about your kindness to us in Christ. you're here this morning, uh, if you're here and you, boy, all of a sudden you felt everything that we've been talking about, putting up masks and walls, and you don't have to. You can be tired of the game. You can be tired of the game, and that's right that you are. You can be done with it. Maybe for the first time, the Bible's description of you hit home. You're not better than anybody else, and that's actually okay. 
Christ died for people like you, me. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus, talk to us. But maybe you're ready to say, I'm done. I give up. I need forgiveness. I need God in my life. I'm accepting him through Christ, Jesus, his death on the cross. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me. The life I've tried to build apart from you. So, Father, help us to be accepting. Never prideful over the things that we've been able to do. They're all a gift from you. Help us to accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. I thank you for these people, God. Love them. Their walk, their journey, is trying to be like you. And bless them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for being part of today. Um, I'm just going to quickly introduce this song. On Friday, I was finishing up the message, and I said, there's a song that is in the back of my head that would be awesome for us to be able to do and to finish up with. And so I, I actually texted Mark. And I said to Mark, can we do this song? Now, they have all the rehearsals on Thursday night. They're all done on Thursday nights. And, in fact, if you try and change, it's like trying to change the Bible for them, you know, on this one. And I said, is there any way, any way you could, you could do this song in? Well, it just so happened that John came in to Mark to get an adjustment. And, you know, Mark does it. And, and, and Mark said, John, can you do it? And, Mark, and John says, I know this song. And they nail it. So this is a song uh, it's going to be really cool. It's, this is my story. You may have heard it on Caleb, they, and they do it well. Let's stand. We're going to finish it together. Sing it, and they do it well. So hit it. <laughs>